questions. Go for it. Hi, my name is Matt Medock. I'm the owner of Sessions West Coast Deli in Newport Beach, Huntington Beach, and soon to be Irvine. My name is Ben Cook. I'm the owner and brewmaster for Hangar 24 Craft Brewery. Free, free samples for everybody? No? No. Jim Franklin, uh, the owner of Harbro Construction, a restoration contractor. Awesome. So, Jim, since you have the microphone first, I'm going to pick on you. Uh, as a Christian business leader, I understand that part of your story is a moral failure years ago. Uh, can you share a bit about this and how this affected your life? Just jumping right in there, jumping huh? Right in. <laughs> I love this. A light question. You know, how many kids you got? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. My favorite color. Okay. Um, And uh, I, I, was, I was fortunate where in the early part of my career, I, I went to work for my now partner when I was 21. And um, from 21 to 40, my focus was to build the business. And um, I just loved it. I still do love it. I enjoy my business. And uh, we went from six employees. Now we're just around 300 employees. And that process was one in which I took my eye off the ball in many things. I was born and raised in the church. However, my life was one in which uh, probably uh, only looked like a Christian life 90 minutes a, uh, a week when I went to church. And after that, there is nothing about my faith in my workplace at all. And around age 40, I found myself, uh, you know, having some free time, playing too much golf, drinking too much scotch, and playing too much gin. Um, and I blinked, and um, I was in an affair with a woman at the office. Um, my marriage had imploded. Um, I, had two, I have two children in which um, they were wondering what in the heck happened to their dad. Um, and I found my, my uh, lady friend and myself found ourselves at the church in October 2002, in which Kitten was given the um, message of the woman in the well. And her and I came out bawling, and... Um, recognized it was uh, directed to us. We thought that he was only talking to us. There was nobody else in the, in the, in the audience at that day. At least that's how we felt. And um, from that point forward, we made a commitment saying, you know, this is not the way. We've really done a mess in our life. And we started our process of being um, a restoration process. She had not accepted Christ. Uh, I had years prior, but hadn't been living that way. And... Um, Sorry to start it off so deep, but the reality is, is we jumped in with both feet. We ended up uh, getting married seven months, eight months later here at the church. A gentleman, Bob Broger, who's passed away, was a pastor here who, who married us. And um, my wife now, fast forward, who jumped in and went to seminary, whatever, is the uh, preaches every Sunday at the chapel. So many that have come there probably have heard our story through her as well. But in that process... I was then focused on how I can um, take what everybody in my workplace did not see as a Christian leader and overtly become that Christian leader. And that was a rework that only, we don't have enough time and these guys deserve the mic, so I'm going to pass it on. But that was a process that I leaned into, and um, although there's nothing that I deserve, the blessings that the Lord bestowed on myself, um, through that process um, is something that humbles me every day. 
Thanks, Jim. Appreciate you sharing. All right, Ben. So Ben's going to have free beer for everyone after. <laughs> no, not true. At least not here. Uh, uh, so Ben, um, you're a relatively new Christian, a couple years probably. Uh, I would love for you to share your story of how a brewer becomes a Christian, and then how, how does that look for you every day um, at, at Hangar? Okay, awesome. Happy to share. So I, st- I too grew up in a Christian home, you know, grew up going to church every Sunday, but it's just a check, I just checked the box, you know. Um, I didn't know Jesus. Um, so after high school, moved out, moved down to Orange County and um, stopped going to church and really wasn't focused on Christ. And I, I've always gotten into a lot of things. I started getting into flying and homebrewing about the same time and fell in love with both of those things and um, ultimately decided to become a brewer and I wanted to get my pilot's license and so I started trading homebrew for flight time. I washed people's planes to get flight time, whatever I had to do to get in the air. Um, So ultimately I went to school to become a brewer at UC Davis and came back and I was in the middle of building the brewery and I went for a flight with a good friend of mine. Um, Well, as we were taking off, uh, we realized something wasn't quite right. And uh, shortly after takeoff, we realized, hey, we're going to have to land this thing, and it's not going to be on the runway. And so we started looking. Uh, we found a construction site, and we started heading towards that. Well, he made a mistake, and he stalled the airplane. Uh, what happens when you stall the airplane? The wing dips, nose points down at the ground. We found ourselves about 100 feet above the ground, staring straight at the ground. Um, so imagine, you know. 100 feet may not sound that high in aviation terms. Imagine you're on a 10-story building. You just jumped off, and nothing's, you don't have a parachute. Nothing's tied into the building. That's the feeling that goes through, through your head. So I'm like, well, I'm about to die. Um, the plane goes straight into the ground. Um, both of us were knocked unconscious. It's an old 1940s airplane. My face hit the panel, completely shattered my face. My nose was knocked off, uh, just a little bit of skin holding it on. The door handle went through my shoulder. Um, his, he was short enough, so he missed. His chin hit the, the stick, busted his chin wide open. The door handle went through his bicep and flayed it like a steak. Uh, we woke up in a pool of blood and aviation fuel. Um, and at that moment, I had complete amnesia. I had no idea. Um, and it ended up being about half an hour. So by all statistics, for any pilots out there, you know, like, we should have been dead. Um, at that altitude, uh, there's no way we should have lived. So that was the first time God saved my life. <laughs> So I was very thankful to be saved from that. Um, So it had been great to find Jesus at that moment um, because of that, but I definitely did not. I completely took a different route. I'm like, I'm never going to trust another person with my life again, and I'm in control. Um, I'm going to do things my way, and I bought into that whole YOLO. You know, you only live once. I wanted to experience it all. I wanted to do it all. You know, built, you know, opened up the brewery about, I don't know, it was only six months later, something like that. And I uh, just put my nose to the grindstone and was make, you know, the brewery started taking off, uh, became one of the fastest growing breweries for two years in the country. And as I started getting money, I just fell into, I bought into that lie that, you know, toys and women and all that stuff bring fun. So it was boats, planes, you know, any, all that whole entire lifestyle, Dan Bilzerian lifestyle that, uh, if any of you guys are familiar with that, that character. Um, and, uh. And I thought that's what it was about, you know, and, and it was horrible. I, I made a lot of great friends during that time period, but I also burned a lot of relationships, hurt a lot of people, and, 
And uh, soon I started kind of looking for more, and I'm like, something's not quite right. I met this Christian gal. Um, as I kind of started grappling with life's questions, she was having me watch, watching online messages, um, like Rick Warren, Greg Laurie, and Kenton Bishore. I'm like, wow, these, this seems to make a lot of sense. And it kind of grabbed me a little bit, but, you know, she tried to get me to go to church. I'm like, no way, I don't have to go to church. You know, where two are gathered in our name, you know, that's my excuse. Like, we're watching this. We're at church, you know. I don't have to go hang out with those weird people. Uh, <laughs> And uh, so um, that relationship ended up, ended up not working out. And I was like, what do those pastors know anyways? And uh, went back to my old ways and just started partying and, and doing my thing. Um, found myself in Mexico. Woke up after a couple of days of partying. It was a Saturday. And I was like hungover. And, and just, it just is like Groundhog Day, it felt like. I'm like, there's got to be more to life than this. Like, there just has to be more. Like, this is empty. I feel like crap. Like, it's just not good. And so I walked out in the room, and uh, me and my buddies were hanging out, and I was like, hey, does anyone want to go to church tomorrow and just leave? And yeah, and they, yeah, they all kind of like, oh, oh, yeah, okay, you know. Um, and everyone, you know, and no one really kind of bought in, and then I walked away, and then my buddy Phil, who's here, um, he came up to me. He's like, hey, I actually started going to Rock Harbor by myself about six months ago. He's like, I'm down. I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah. So we left. We packed our stuff and left the trip early, drove back. Uh, went to Rock Harbor the next day, and remember what I was searching for was purpose and meaning. What was the message on, you think, that day? <laughs> it was on finding purpose and meaning in life. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, somewhat, Phil, did you tell them that that's what I was doing? <laughs> you know, um, I totally thought it was set up just like, just like, I mean, um, and uh, I literally, that moment, it, it, was, uh, it was too on point. I stopped hanging out with all my friends. I just, I shut my whole life down. Um, started reading the Bible every day. I was like, I need to know, is this real? You know, and signed up to San Diego Christian College, online college. I want to learn as much as I could, as fast as I could. It's like, if I'm going to give my life to this, I need to know. Um, and I wanted to meet more Christians, and I was having trouble meeting Christians, and I want to meet Christian businessmen. And I heard about Mariners, and I kept wanting to go, but I just, I don't know, going to a different church. I still sweaty palm walking into Rock Harbor, you know. I'm like, I don't belong here, you know. Um, and, uh, it was New Year's Day. We're doing the Trans-Catalina Trail, and uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Mariners. I, I need to go, and I need to try something different. Again, it's kind of one of those things, um, and I need to get connected. I want to meet other Christians, so I go to the first Sunday after Mariners, you know, and Kenton's up there, and what's his message on getting connected and plugged in? It's like, again, I'm like, okay, this is cool. Um, God's just answering things, and it's about rooted. That was the whole message was driving people to rooted. I'm like, that's awesome. Um, so signed up for Rooted, went through Rooted, got baptized, gave my life to Christ, and haven't looked back since. It's been amazing. Thanks, Ben. Uh, Matt, uh, you went from club promoter to sandwich artisan. Can you share a little bit about your story? Yeah, thanks for having me, Tim. Um, my story is uh, uh, quite a bit about purpose. Um, I was born and raised in, in church, and, and uh, so I had a, quite a good foundation, but I just went through the steps because um, my mom and dad really forced me to go. And uh, my dad's here today. I wasn't expecting him to be here, so you might learn some things about me now that you didn't know. Um, <laughs> Uh, so anyway, when I turned 18, I was allowed to, to move out of the house, and I did, and I started living life on my own. Um, I, I got introduced to girls. I got introduced to sex. I got introduced to drugs, alcohol, and all of the things that, you know, honestly are, are pretty fun to do. 
And, um, and my dad always told me that I should, you know, do what you're best at. And well, I was really, really good at partying. And so, <clears throat> so I decided in college, and I loved to pave my own road, and I decided in college that I was gonna start a business um, throwing parties. And so I was like that guy that sat by the keg and sold you a cup for five bucks. You know, and so I started a business doing this. Um, through college, I went to Long Beach State, and, and I, I did that there. Um, and then I started, my parties got too big for houses, and uh, I started needing to do parties at venues. And, and so I started renting out venues and, and essentially became a, a, a club promoter pretty quickly. I ended up with an office and a call center and employees and the whole deal. And I was actually running uh, what I thought at the time was a business. I now have a real business. But uh, that <laughs> I thought this was a business. I made money, and so it was. And um, I was really chasing things that were, that were really fun. Um, by 25 years old or so, I was making quite a bit of money. Um, life was pretty good. Uh, got, uh, I met a girl, a Playboy model. Um, now I was really on top of the world. I was making money, having fun, dating a Playboy model. 27 years old, married the Playboy model. And, uh, and that's really when like God kind of stepped back into my life. Um, I was really seeking purpose. What was my purpose? I started asking that question because I was doing all of these things that the, the outsider, yeah, I couldn't tell you how many times a, a day or a week that people are like, man, you've got the life, you're the coolest job I've ever had. And I'm like, dude, I'm like so empty inside. I've got this dumb, hot wife and, <laughs> and I'm, I'm doing drugs, I'm drinking all the time. I'm, I'm making money, I'm buying things like Ben was saying, I'm buying things like crazy that I thought would fill me up and I was just found myself so empty. Um, so by the time I was about 29 years old or so, I uh, was divorced, thank God, and really seeking, uh, seeking purpose. And, and I really decided that through the club promotions, um, one good thing that came out of that was that I found that my purpose was really people. And I wanted to do something crazy. I didn't, I wanted to get out of that business. And so I decided to, to have a, a pretty big life change at that moment and became an EMT and then quickly became a paramedic. Um, I worked as a paramedic for about four years or so. And um, because I, my passion now and my purpose, when, when I was asking God, what's my purpose? My purpose was people and what better way to take care of people than to be a paramedic. I was gonna go save lives and it was really awesome. I went from six figures to minimum wage. Um, that was quite humbling. Um, and to, I still look back and that was probably one of the like, best experiences of my life because all of a sudden I was full um, and I was broke, but I was happy. Um, and so that was that whole idea of money doesn't necessarily bring you happiness. So this was a huge moment in my life. And I worked as a paramedic till about the age of uh, 33 or so. Um, during this time, it's kind of a funny joke I think about now because I own uh, restaurants. And, and I was, while the firemen were lifting weights and watching movies and grabbing each other's butts, I was, I was writing a business plan for what is now my... Um, my, my restaurant business. And um, I did this for probably two years or so, um, was speaking to a lot of friends. In fact, my business partner's here today, and I was speaking with him about uh, this business um, before we were business partners. He thought it was a good idea, I thought it was a good idea, and that's when I had another really spiritual God moment. Um, I'm not sure if, 
any people in the room, I, I imagine some people have said that they've heard God speak to them before. And, and I was sitting in the back of an ambulance on my way to the emergency room working on a patient. And you eventually like get so used to working on people that are about to die. You're just kind of like, you know, you, you're doing other things like thinking about life while you're going through the motions with them. And at that very moment, God is like, what are you doing in the back of an ambulance? I worked out in Coachella Valley. What in the world are you doing in the back of an ambulance on your way to the emergency room? Like totally, yes, helping people, but you're only helping this like one person. I think that you have a bigger life ahead of you than working on this one person. And so at that moment, I took the patient into the hospital, went back out to the ambulance, got on the phone, called my business partner and said, dude, we're opening a restaurant. And three months, or th about three weeks later, three months later, I don't know, some short time frame, I quit my job and went full throttle into opening a restaurant. Now my, my this was when I really started to discover what my purpose was going to be because my purpose wasn't that I wanted to open a restaurant. My purpose was I wanted to reach as many people as possible. So I do now own three restaurants, but they're more or less a foundation for me to reach as many people as I possibly can. And so through opening the restaurants and through having employees has been opportunity for me to, to reach the employees that I've got, reach the customers that I got. I talk to people on a daily basis. It gives me a platform to actually be up here and speaking to, to men, which I've found to be a huge passion of mine um, more recently. And, um, and I really listened to what God had to say to me and said, hey, like at 27, like you're better than this, go do something else. And at 33, like you're bigger than this, go do something else. So my kind of uh, 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 hope for you guys too, if you can take anything out of, out of what we have to say up here, would be really listen to what uh, God's saying to you. Uh, if you're stuck in that job and you're sitting at your cubicle or sitting at your desk and you're like, hey, it's uh, time for me to leave. It's not probably you talking to yourself. It's probably somebody else uh, telling you it's time to move on. Um, so I do have the, the, the end of the story is great. I've got three restaurants right now about to open. I mean, we're looking to open more. Um, since I got rid of the deadbeat girl, I ended up um, marrying a, a beautiful, awesome woman. Um, I've got three kids now. And um, when I decided to kind of put God in the, the, the driver's seat of my life, um, is really when I, when I saw everything really turn around. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. <clears throat> we got time for a couple more questions, but maybe just a little less time, guys. This is awesome. But Jim, um, I know I started with a pretty heavy question, but... Um, You're not interested in what color is my favorite color? No, <laughs> no, I'm not. But uh, Jim is, is a big um, influence in my life, and so... That just shows how God has fully restored him and his story. And so I just wanted to hear kind of how now that you're fully restored and, and really just following God's lead, how has that changed for you uh, in your business specifically? Well, it, you know, we're told in the Bible that, that God uses all things for his glory. And my story is one that early on I had a hard time telling it without just feeling total shame. But it's my story. Um, I need to own, and there's consequences to that story, but there's also great um, credibility with the redemptive quality that that brings along with it. Um, I have I, uh, been blessed with this phenomenal platform that I speak into 
that gives me credibility that I don't deserve, but affords me opportunities to speak to employees and others and so forth. And, and I feel that's where my calling is. I feel that um, I need to share my story often. I need to um, uh, come aside uh, mostly guys that are younger than I that might be struggling with similar things that I struggled with, um, you know, and recognize that if I had to do it all over again, um, I would still be married to my first wife. Now, I love my wife, and, and Inez and I have this phenomenal relationship, but in both of us, if we had to do it all over again, we wouldn't be in it. And, and, and it sounds so strange to say that, but it's true. Um, but to um, just be transparent with people uh, in the workplace, share with guys that work for me or, 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 or work in other industries, just how phenomenal it is is when you put God first, he will bless you. He will bless your career. He will bless your business. Um, and at, in the short term, it may look like you're making compromises, but in the long run, um, he will honor those, those priorities that put him first. I just love helping guys do that. That's awesome. Thanks. Was that short, was that that short perfect. enough? Perfect. Okay. Uh, ben. Uh, how how do you live out your Christian faith and brew beer? I mean, it's an industry that um, could seemingly be dark, not always, but what does that look like? And how? what are some of the changes that you've made with Hanger since you've kind of fully given your life over to the Lord? Absolutely, yeah. No, it's easy to, to slip in old ways. It's easy to fall into the darkness. Um, so one of the first things that went through my head when I came to Christ was, oh my God, you know, especially if you listen to some of the pastors out there, alcohol is the devil, you know, and uh, here I'm the, I am, I am the alcohol, I am the devil, you know, <laughs> I make, I, you know, I make this and I, I get people to drink it, that's my job and uh, so I struggle with that. Uh, one of the first people I went to was Eric Hurd and I chatted, about, chatted with him and I was like, hey, you know, what's the deal, you know, with alcohol and, and, and and he said, you know, it's, it's like a lot of things in life, you know, um, just don't let it get supercharged. You know, don't let money become greed. Don't let love become lust. Don't let alcohol become drunkenness, you know. It's drunkenness that's the sin. It's not alcohol that's the sin. And so first I had to grapple with that. I even had a really great conversation. I, I was like, okay, Christian beer, Christian beer. Okay, monks, monks drink, monks make beer. These are act an actual church that makes beer. And I like, so I, I, I looked up. There's one in the United States in Massachusetts. Uh, called Spencer Brewery, and I called them and uh, got a hold of the brewmaster's father Isaac, which is crazy, um, and and he sounds just like you would want your brewmaster monk to sound like, you know, like the most jolly, peaceful guy, and and he he echoed a lot of what Eric said, and and uh, and he just said, hey, where I'm able to reach people and introduce people to Christ that would never in a million years walk into a church or even have a conversation because we brew beer. People will come and stay at our monastery, and, and those, some of those people, we, we don't even talk about our beliefs, um, but we plant seeds, and some people were able to really help them transition. I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool, and, um, you know, join groups like Marketplace Ambassadors, you know, like, how do I really live this out, and how do I transform this brewery? Like, I would love nothing more to legit be like Hobby Lobby or In-N-Out and be a Christian company that shines as a light, not super outwardly Christian, but shines so brightly that people ask, hey, why do you guys do this? Um, and then we get to answer that question honestly and, and, and talk about Jesus. And uh, so, you know, when I um, got baptized, I was on fire. So directly, tangibly, how to do that, I'm like, okay, I, I want to I shine brightly. So we uh, partner with uh, 
charities like Food for the Hungry or uh, Feeding America and did like, hey, buy a six pack, we provide a meal. Uh, buy 22 pints and we provide a meal. We did stuff like that. Uh, we did a huge fundraiser for the San Bernardino terror attack uh, victims. Uh, we we're the largest uh, private donor for that. Um, we threw just a massive party and people showed up in droves um, to drink for a cause. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we gave people a reason to drink. Uh, and, uh, and so I, we kept doing that. But, um, and I've tried so many things and, and people, we given away a, a lot of money, but it's just not sustainable, and people still are like, oh, Hangar 24 is good, but no one ever is like, Hangar 24, oh, that's the Christian company, and so I'm trying to, I've been talking to a lot of people, I've been praying, reading um, scripture, and trying to really ask God, how do, what do I need to do here, um, ultimately led me, we're going to, we're doing a complete brand evolution, and we're going to bake purpose of serving others into our ethos, into the entire company. You'll see that launching in May. It's going to be reflected on our labels, and every single thing that we do is going to be about having impact and creating a dent in this world because beer no longer motivates me. It's cool, and it's fun, and I love the joy it brings, and I love it bringing people together. But again, needing more, um, those things made me happy, made everyone happy, and so we're like, okay, how do we really do this? And, and not just kind of spot do this, but live this constantly and give meaning to what we do. And so... I mean, all of that came from, from Jesus. Like, the, none of those thoughts would have gone through my head. It was about making money and partying and doing all the wrong things that lead to nothing. Um, so, yeah. Thanks, Ben. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, Matt. Uh, I would love for you to share. So last year, you, uh, you jumped into a marketplace group that, coincidentally, Ben was one of the leaders for. Just share how that group kind of impacted you and, and how that uh, is changing some of the things you're doing now. Yeah, hi. Um, <clears throat> I joined the Marketplace, Amba Marketplace Ambassador Group. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. Um, I joined the Marketplace Ambassador Group last year, and um, it was really impactful in my life and in my business. Um, it seems so cliche because we're here at a men's breakfast, and the whole Bible verse of iron sharp sharpens iron, but that's a, that's a real thing. Um, and when you surround yourself with successful people that are doing successful things, ironically, you end up doing successful things as well. Um, and what, how, what I got most out of the Marketplace Ambassadors was just uh, a kind of a, a, a constant reminder um, of how I should be acting in and around uh, my employees, um, my customers, and the, the people that are in my life. Um, it's so easy to fall back into alcoholism. or It's so easy to fall back into bad ways. And, and equally, I'm sure this probably resonates with quite a few people here, but you're, when you're in your workplace, for some reason, often you act differently than you might even act in, in a regular regular environment. Um, you're around guys, especially if you're around a lot of guys. You're around a lot of guys that, that uh, you feel comfortable with. All of a sudden, the single guy comes in and starts talking about the sex that he had last night. And the next thing you know, you're, you're interested in that conversation. And, and somebody's you know, dropping F-bombs like crazy. And next thing you know, you're dropping F-bombs like crazy. And it's so easy to act unchristian-like at your workplace. And so when I got involved with the Marketplace Ambassadors, it was just a, a, a weekly reminder, and this is what I took out the most of it, is a weekly reminder for me to be the best me that I can be for the six days following that. And so like the first day, it was awesome. Second, second day, I was still pretty cool. Third day, you know, start dropping off, and whew, thank God I'm back in the ambassador class again because yesterday 
I dropped quite a few uh, F-bombs and was not acting the way that I probably should be acting at all times. And um, so anyway, that's what I took the most out of it. It's the whole idea of iron sharpens iron. Um, I think that us as humans should strive to be a better person every single day of our lives. And so whatever you can do to, to encourage that process, um, I absolutely recommend. And so that's what I did. And uh, I recommend Thanks, it as well. Awesome. So for sake of time, um, I want to pray for these guys. And just let's, let's give them a hand for being out here this morning. So would you guys extend a hand to them and, let, and let's pray. Father God, thank you for, for Jim, Ben, and Matt and just their vulnerability and their willingness to, to stand in front of several hundred men and just share uh, all the parts of their story. But God, it's so beautiful to see how you can restore and redeem all of our brokenness. And God, thank you for, for what you're doing in and through them. God, I pray that your hand would be on each of them. Would you bless them and have favor on um, their lives and relationships and businesses, God? Would you continue to help them to follow you first in all that they do, specifically uh, their families and their businesses? And God, we pray that you would um, help them to impact the kingdom of God for your glory, not for money or for anything else, but for your glory, Jesus. Would you, would you bless these men? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Thank you so much. All right, Ken. Ken, if you're out there, come on up. Where are you, Ken? There you are. All right. Um, God, uh, uh, guys, I want to introduce a good friend of mine. I don't know how we met a couple years back, but Ken also is one of those guys that I say I want to be like him when I grow up, and he's We're a friend. Getting I'm We're getting, getting there, there. <laughs> uh, and he's a friend and a mentor, um, but more importantly, what I love is, is how he loves Jesus and how he has loved his family. I met with him a few years ago and said, I love the way that you're raising your kids, and so we sat on the beach, and he just shared some of that now that I have three kids, two boys and a girl, coincidentally, that's true. Uh, and so um, you guys, we're going to be blessed by him this morning. So would you give Ken you a hand? We are. All right. Fun to be here. So just, just because I'm a raging ADD type guy, I'm going to start someplace I hadn't intended. And that is, let's not miss what we just saw here. We saw three dudes who were demonstrating and flexing the muscle of humility, transparency, and vulnerability. Years ago, I, I was sitting in a room like this, and I had lots of friends around me, and I realized I'm not very well known. Nobody really knows me. In fact, what they, who they think I am is very different than who I, who I am. And the Lord put those three words on my heart. And I, and I began to flex those muscles, and today I can tell you I have a lot of very close friends, deep friendships. And, there, and that iron sharpening iron is happening. So if you're one of those guys who's just feeling a little disconnected from the other dudes in the room, start flexing those muscles, okay? Shoot that squirrel and move on. So who recognizes this? Okay, raise your hand. This is 100% participation or go home, okay? You recognize this? What is it, someone? Climbing rope, repelling rope, okay. I need you to tell me, does this look legit? Yeah? Legit. Okay. You? Legit? Frayed in, but yeah. Frayed in is brand new. Okay. 
Right in. Okay. This rope has a uh, working rating of about 8,000 pounds. That's if my CFOs and executive team over here will verify 16 200-pound people. Close enough? So that rope will hold you. So raise your hand now if you think that that rope, if you believe that rope would hold you. Anybody here, seriously, that's not going to joke with me, think it's not going to hold you? No. We believe that rope's going to hold you, and in fact, it will hold you. Do you believe the rope will hold you? You have a belief. Okay. So I'm setting the stage, and in a way, I'm going to bury you, because here's the Bible. I'm setting you up, because here's what I'm really doing. I want you to get your heart ready to receive something that's going to be hard to believe in. Now, that rope will hold you, but who's repelled in the room? Will you affirm with me that when you lean back on that rope, you grabbed it right here. I taught repelling, and it was terrifying to teach, and it was terrifying to do. When you grab that rope and you begin to lean back, are you terrified? Moments ago, we all agreed that that rope would hold you. The reality is our belief is just a belief until we test it, okay? So we lean back on that rope, we're terrified, there's a moment the rope is stretching, we feel fear, we might even free fall for a bit. As if we didn't notice there's two feet sitting there not taut, and we go back, correct? So here's the Bible. Do you believe the word of God? Some, some yes, most do, right, here. We're going to see some verses today, and to, to lean back on them is going to be terrifying, okay? So, as I was riding my bike this morning over to Keene, where I have coffee every morning, I was thinking to myself, this is insanity. A PE major who barely made it through high school is going to speak to a couple hundred very bright tools in the shed. And then, and then I realized, okay, that's cool. And, and by the way, a very raging ADD. So we're going to see squirrels popping up all over. I'm going to be shooting them down. And you're just going to have to bear with me because as you'll see in a little bit, that's exactly how God made me and we're going to live it and love it. Okay, so I titled this Wild Success. And it's really, and, and what I'm going to do is I'm not a Bible teacher, but I'm going to tell you like these three guys just did, my story. And my story... Um, is kind of the is how the Lord kind of revealed to me six Bible verses that shape every single move I make in my life. And I'm sure there's six more, and you may have six others, so don't think that this is the only way to go. But I call this wild success because wild can connotate crazy, irrational, nuts, kind of like a wild idea. It can also connotate unbridled, uncontrolled, unfettered, kind of like a wildfire. So before I begin, there's going to be a tendency to think that, that it can't work this way. The verses that, and, and the picture I'm going to paint, there's going to be this natural tendency to not think it can happen. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I've tested this for 35 years in my career. It, is, it, it happens exactly the way I'm going to tell you. 
and it is frightening exactly the way you're going to feel. So get ready for that emotion. But trust, you know, tr that, I love this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. You're going to be tempted to lean on your understanding. Get rid of that. Just trust him. He's going to make the path straight. And I'm living proof. So here, this whole, this whole uh, morning is going to be about my life, little life stories and how the Lord revealed these to me. So the very first one was day one of my career, actually week one of my career at Astropack, 35 years ago. I show up, I know nothing, I am nothing, I have a, a meaningless job for the most part. And, but at the end of the week, I'm meeting with a mentor of mine, and I say to him, you know, I'm really struggling with the start of my career because I want to do this differently. And so I've been thinking about this, 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 how could I do this differently? In my life, I had, I had a lot of examples of men who did not do it well. And, you, and you've seen this a hundred times. Lots of wealth, no relationship. Lots of wealth, no wisdom. Lots of wealth, lots of hours at the job, no family. You know, great success in the career, divorce or family issues. And I was just thinking, you know what? I do not want to get to the end of my life and have that be my story. And you probably have had this thought yourself. I was kind of young, but I was, I was wanting to know how to do it different. I wanted to be able to, now this is kind of morbid, but it's the truth. I wanted to be able to die at the end of every day having been wildly successful. So I started to ask the Lord, you know, what, what would that be like? And somehow, some way, miraculously, boom. <laughs> See how cool that was? Somehow, some way, the Lord put on my heart this verse, and I began to unpack it. This is the first of six. And it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Well, like most men, I had a lot of fear about the, all these things. I had the aspirations for a wife. I had the aspiration for a home. I had the aspiration for the Pilatus, which is a very nice jet aircraft, turboprop. I had the aspiration for you know, wealth. I had a lot of aspirations. So there were things that at first I was thinking, this is what I need to go pursue. But the Lord put this on my heart and it said, seek first. So I was like, whoa, Jesus is actually saying, First and foremost, go here first. So I am a very, very simple person. And uh, I'm not an overthinker. I'm not much of a thinker at all. <laughs> so I'm going, okay, let's do this first. So what could that mean? What is the kingdom of God? So I began to think, well, what's eter it's eternity. It's, it's pursuing what's eternal. So how can I live today in such a way that it has eternal impact? So what's eternal? There's two things eternal, actually three, but there's, there's three things eternal, God Almighty himself that are you know, present on earth, souls, you, me, and everybody else we ever bump into, and God's word. Those are the three things that I can find that are eternal. So my little simple brain, did I mention PE major, Cal Poly, 1983? And I'm not talking uh, professional engineer, I'm talking <laughs> golf. I was a golf instructor badminton instructor, these types of things. So these, these 
souls, people are eternal. God's word is eternal. So that's what I need to focus on. So I started to really think about that. And practically speaking, I, I, I thought to myself, okay, if I can influence a soul today, then I will have done what Jesus said to do first. If I can move people in God's economy towards him every single day, first and foremost, then that will be success. And then it says, uh, and his righteousness. If I can be obedient today in whatever it is, if I can be obedient today, then I can die tonight and feel as if I was a success. And if I can be in his word every day, hear him, focusing, my, those, focusing on those three things, then I can be successful. And so that was the very first verse that he gave me. And so I began my career at Astropac, and I would walk into the office, and I'd have my to-do list that um, I would be wanting to pursue, and I'd have my big dreams and all this stuff. But the very first thing I would do is I would just listen and look for the souls around me. So if I went to the car wash, I would be focusing on that soul. When I walk in the office, I would say, as I every, every morning do, good morning, Mary. Good morning, Robert. And I'd be listening super carefully for the response from that soul. And if there was a, yeah, I'm all right, we'd stop. We'd go right there. So practically speaking, that's how that began, the focusing on the souls and the obedience. And then this open-handed trust, like, Lord, will you really take care of me while I do this? Now, you know, extra credit, go back and read the preceding verses about how he talks about we toil and we work and we're worried about what we're going to eat and what we're going to dress. And he says, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Just be kingdom-centric and obedient, and then let me take care of everything. Now, that's one of those places where we look at that rope and we've got to think to ourselves, really? That's it? That's how simple it is? But let me ask you a question. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you're buying into eternal life with him creator of the universe, resurrection. There's a lot that you're, you're saying, yes, I believe. But in this verse, I'm, I'm now challenging you to go, really, is that all there is to it? Can I really do that and be focused there and trust him for the outcome? And here's the big deal. Yes, you can. Look at that. That is a gigantic promise. And all these things will be added to you. Now, in no way does it mean that you're going to be wealthy. Um, so I wouldn't begin to say that, but I will say this. You will not lack anything, ever. And so that has certainly been my experience. Okay, the next, the next verse the Lord revealed to me, and this is literally over 30 of the last 35 years, was this one here. And this is the idea that, you know, if you want to be great, if you want to be successful, it says right here, you must be a servant. If you want to be first, you must be last. That is another one that it's, it, you got to look at that rope and go, okay, I believe the Bible, but can I believe this? This is a gnarly, gnarly verse, and it is completely contrary to most of, I'm not that fluent in global business, but certainly most American business. Because an American businessman, if you want to be first, you know, you get as many people working for you as you can. And if you want to be great, 
you got to be powerful, well-educated, smarter than the next guy, and a whole host of other things. But this was, what struck me about this, when the Lord revealed it to me, is that this was good enough for him. He came to serve, and he, did, and he modeled this for us. I mean, it's mind-boggling to think that the Son of God came to earth to serve, not to be served. And it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, and I, I honestly, to be vulnerable, transparent, and humble, you know, when you're the CEO of the company, there are 300 people scurrying around trying to make you happy. And it's super easy to go, yeah, would you do that for me? Yeah, would you do that for me? And to lose the idea that I'm there to serve them. It's a trap. It's a trap. And I'm sure you see it in your various positions that you're in. But here's, here's what Jesus did. And this was, this was one of those verses where I went, okay, add this one. Because at the end of today, I want to be able to look back and say, take me. I've achieved everything that I wanted to achieve. Can you imagine doing that at 25 years old? The freedom in that, I want to tell you, is incredible. Because for these 35 years, I have always been able to say, good, I'm, I'm done, I'm happy. I did it. Because here's the deal, and I'll end with this someday, <laughs> in an hour or two. At the end of the day, we're all meeting Jesus. We're going face to face with him. And I'm positive, and you are too, that he is not going to say, hey, let's check Wells Fargo. And uh, boom, yes, nice. Oh, Kenneth, very nice. Wow, that was a good year. Whoa, what happened to it all? It's gone, <laughs> you know. And then, he'll say, and then I said, that's when Davis was born, you know. He took all my money. Those who know my son know that. So, and he's not going to say, you know, that empire you built at Astropac, holy crud, that was better than most empires I've ever seen. He's not going to say that to me. And he's not saying it to you. He might say, gosh, you spent a lot of time over there, but man, family didn't know you. And I don't want that to happen. I've never wanted that to happen. So this was one where I thought, I can, uh, I can go home successful. And so what does that mean practically? Man, every single day, we, sh we need to show up to work with this heart of Jesus, which is, how can I help you? Practically speaking, you know, people come to, come to our orientation at AstroPAC, and I, I, t I tell them right up front, I, I know you're not here for me. Because when I was young in the business, I wasn't working for my, my, the owners of the company, my dad owned the company. I wasn't working for him. I mean, that was all good, but I was working for me. So what, what I'm doing now is I'm saying to my, my new employees and my team, how can I help you succeed? How can I help you realize every dream you could possibly come up with? Because I think that's what Jesus does. And I think that's an incredible testimony. If you want to show Jesus to someone, you have to, or if you want to teach Jesus about someone or demonstrate, you have to show it in your life every single day. And so when you go to work, this is another one. Serve. Find someone every single day to care for and to serve. 
There's a lot of Holy Spirit necessary in this. You have to walk into your offices, into your business place with this posture of, I'm listening to you now. I'm, I want to do what you want me to do today. I know I'm here for you, but show me. And if you do that, you're going to walk in and go, God, I heard that in that woman's voice. There's something very wrong. And so sidebar, stop everything. I've had uh, my office is, is in, you know, in, in a place where people walk by. People come by, say, hey, I'm out my window. Hey, how you doing? Oh, not so good. Oh, come on in. Come on in. And I've got my list, man, and my brain is like cranked up. I want to do all this great stuff, and I'm going to get to doing work, actually, here in a minute at work. It's kind of novel. <laughs> and someone will come in, and I'll be like, oh, I got so much to do, you know. But then the Lord will just tap me on the shoulder and go, no, this is what we do right here. And we'll sit for an hour, and we'll talk, and this person will bleed. And that happens to you guys. Don't miss it, because it's more important than all that wealth building. Okay, the next one. This is, this is a fun one. So finally, we're going to get to work. So uh, a couple of years ago, my oldest, smarter son, um, <laughs> Coleman, was uh, at college. And I called him and uh, check in with him. And he goes, uh, and I say, hey, Coleman, how's school going? We, and we had this deal where, you know, 3.0 or, or, or you're coming home. If you don't get a 3.0 in college, then I'm, I'm not wasting my investment dollars on you. You're out. And so um, it was kind of a loose you're out, but it was a pretty firm you're out. So I, I call him and say, hey, Coleman, how's it going? He goes, uh, well, Dad, uh, really good, man. It's all really good. And, you know, this, 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 and then I go, so Coleman, how's, how's school going? He goes, oh, Dad, you'd be super proud of me. I go, why's that? He goes, well, I'm, man, I am deep into young life. I've got these young life kids over here. I'm caring for them and ministering them. I'm a kingdom man, dad, and it is all going well. And I go, oh, dude, you missed the verse. It says, seek first the kingdom, not only. So you better get your GPA up. <laughs> He's like, oh boy, okay. So we got to do some work here too. So I, I love this verse for a couple reasons. Um, about the time maybe Late 80s, I was working, and my dad and his partner were, were pretty hostile towards each other. So translation, his partner hated me and wanted to destroy me. And so, and my dad was a harsh man, and I would go into meetings with all the answers that they asked for, all the, all the questions they asked for last week, and they were all new questions every time, and I would just get boom, 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 beat up. So finally I realized, you know what, I'm really trying to please my employer. And I read this verse and I realized, you know, I'm working for the wrong man. And so I, I, I started to study this and started to realize whatever you do, work, do your work heartily. So I'm thinking about what does that mean? And it, it says whatever you do. It doesn't say whatever you attempt or try or struggle or strive for or undertake, it says what you do. So all of a sudden I started thinking to myself, okay, I, I need to be a man who, make, who does, who, who doesn't just attempt, who doesn't dabble, but who actually does things. And if you're working in a corporate structure, it's pretty easy to, to fall into the trap of um, feeling as if, if you come to work, you're working. And if you're working on a project, 
you're doing. But I like to land ships. And so I love this verse for that reason. It says, don't just try. It says do. So at, so at work, I, I realized in order to be successful, I need to be able to do, make, make things happen. And so, and it, and it also says whatever. So that means pretty much anything, whatsoever, anything. Whatever, whatever we're into, we're going to do it. And then it says heartily, which is vigorously, with gusto. And here's, here's one of my favorite adjuncts to this, which is this Ephesians 2.10 verse. This verse just cranked me up because I, was spent, I spent most of my life being told, you suck. You are going to be a failure. You are going to be, you know, your grades are horrible. We may not make it through Spanish 1. We may not make it through high school. So I had this sense of like, oh, man, I'm a, I'm a dull tool. And I won't, I won't become anything. But then I read this verse about his being his workmanship. There's another version that says we are his masterpiece. And I, and I also had some, some brothers, some mentors who said to me, dude, you, you actually have a few gifts. So maybe, <laughs> what? No, it was actually a revelation. No, they said, you know, you actually have a few gifts. And one guy even went as far as to say is, and once you figure that out, you'll be fine. So I went, wow, well, could you, can you help me a little? Like, what could, what could those gifts be? I mean, no, I'm, I'm like 22 years old. I'm well into, you know, having shaped my identity. And the Lord just kind of started to reveal to me, hey, there's a few things that you can do. And I love this verse because it says that I'm his masterpiece. And then I'm, I'm, cre I'm created by Jesus himself for good works. Wow, how freeing that was. And all of a sudden, like, I go, okay, I can be an encourager. That's who I am. I'm an encouragement to people. I can be, I am a visionary. I can see the future. Turns out that's kind of unique. Now, my, my exec team over here will, will definitely be saying to you, well, yeah, but there's a few things he's not also. But you know what? Here's the beautiful, here's the beautiful thing. And no, I'm, I'm happy with that, actually. Because they know, and I say it often, and we all need to get, get to this place where we, where we believe this is true and live as if this is true. They know that I am these three things, and we need this many to make a healthy organization. Same in marriage. I am this, my wife is this. I might be that, no. I am this, my wife is this, right? So the beauty of that is that they know that I desperately need them, okay? And I know that I desperately need some of you because I'm not everything. And it's a lie to think that the CEO or the president or whatever your position or your, you know, your cook or whatever is, is the most important guy. It's a lie. The Lord makes each of us as masterpieces to fit together. So when I started to look at this verse, I started to lean into doing what I was intended to do and nothing else. How cool is that, man? I mean, I love the fact that being a raging ADD means that nobody expects me to be attentive to details. So they handle all the details, right? 
I mean, that's a good thing. So I love the fact that when it's time for some vision, they'll look to me. And so do your work wholeheartedly as unto the Lord, not to men. One last point. It's easy to want to please your employer or your wife or your team. But I'm going to suggest to you, it says not to men for a reason. We, t- we tend to go there. Don't go there. Your audience is God Almighty alone, and he is your audience of one. So when you walk into your office, your work is your act of worship because he created you. So take that super seriously and stop trying to please the man. Forget the man. Sorry, Ken. He's the president of our company. So Forget the man. Forget me. Your act of worship should be to God Almighty, your creator. And the outcome, by the way, is always 100% his. Okay. So the next one that the Lord put on my heart a few years ago. This is like, this is like uh, 1991. So in 1991, Astropac was going out of business. Cold War ended. Um, the, the defense business, we were building diving life support systems for the Navy SEALs and for the uh, mobile salvage and diving for the Navy. And so we had... 20 ships that we were maintaining around the U.S., Hawaii, and a few other places. And at the end of the Cold War, the U.S. Navy just started to get sold off, basically. So I could see really clearly we were going out of business. That was really scary, but who cares? I was just a vice president. Same time, I did care, but same time, Coleman is born. So my first child is born. My wife is coming out of the workforce. Our income is going down by half. My bonus is gone. So we are going from a really tight budget to half that. Then my dad gets this brilliant idea, which I swear was, here, we're going out of business. You take it. (laughs) I promise you. I, I don't think he'd ever admit it, but no lie. It was like, for real, I'm gone. Uh, if this thing goes down, it's going to be on you. <laughs> and I, I, I felt that. I felt that. So I'm at this, I'm, I go to my men's group, I, and uh, I sit down with my men's group, uh, Tom Mitchell, you guys know him, he's here at the church, a few other dudes, and we, we sit there, and, and, and I go, guys, I'm having this crazy idea. I'm reading this verse that says, for everything in heaven and earth is yours, and that it's your kingdom, and that you're exalted over, above all else. Riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. And in your hand are power and might, and it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. For all things come from you. And I'm reading, the Lord owns the earth and all it contains in the world. And so I'm thinking to myself, wow, Really? Because at this moment, I'm president of a dying company with a new child and half my income. What would be your reaction to that? Just give me a few words. 
resume. Get your bust your resume out. Yeah, panic, fear, run, and 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 there's a few others. My re- my first reaction was I need to go to 712. I've got to save the day. Right? When the going gets tough, the tough get right. So my first reaction was like, let's get it on, man. It is, it is game time, and you are the QB. And then I read this verse again, and I went, wow. And then I read the, verse, the first verse, seek first the kingdom. Now you have a child. The souls in your family are yours first and foremost. Your wife and your children are your souls to care for, number one. Everybody else is second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. We focus there first. So I'm thinking, I can't go in this 712 mode. I can't go save the day. I'm going another direction. I'm going to believe this is true. And I'm going to take this funny little company, and I'm going to every day put it in my hands, and I'm going to say, Lord, this is yours. Do with it what you would like. I am going to work and I made a commitment in front of my men's group, I'm going to work 40 hours a week. I'm going to be soul-centric. I'm going to care for the souls of my children and my wife, first and foremost. Dude, this is terrifying. Can you imagine the terror that you would feel leaning back on that rope, leaning back on this verse at that moment, at that time? It was terrifying. But every day, that's exactly what I'd do. I'd I'd go in for eight hours a day, and I would sit there in this posture of like, Lord, if it's true, you own it. If you want me to have it, it will happen. If you don't, there's nothing I'm going to be able to do to cure it. Now, it's not like I'm mindless during the 40. I'm working wholeheartedly, bringing that little ounce that God created me to bring. But I will tell you, This verse is the most freeing verse that I have ever read because it shapes so much of how we behave and what we do. It can shape why we work, how we work. You know, do we work? Like most most initial thoughts that I have is like, my son and I, we really, 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 really want a Pilatus. A Pilatus is like a $7 million airplane that Ken Carroll will not let me buy. I've tried. We really want that, but here's the thing. I will never work for that. If that comes, fine. But I will never go to work for that because I'm not here to work for wealth. Wealth has its purpose. It's just not my purpose, and it's not your purpose. But it has a purpose. God uses our wealth. There's nothing wrong with wealth. But it isn't our purpose, so I'm never going to work for whatever I want, okay? So this verse really freed me up. I started working, um, just working hard, but trusting God with the outcome. And we don't have time for it, but I could give you 100 stories of how God rolled the red carpet out. And it was, you know, just so we're clear, most of the companies that I have started have failed. So if I dream it up, don't invest in it because it will not happen. But what I will tell you is I'm following a God who does not stumble, and he has made my path straight despite me, and he will make your path straight despite you. 
We just have to have this posture. And sometimes it's the posture on your knees where you're crying out to God, save me. And sometimes it's like yesterday when my wife and I are going a little cross thread and it's like, Lord, can you just step in here right now because this is really going sideways. And guess what? He comes right in. So I, like you, have many, many places in my life that are freaking me out. I don't know what yours is, but I can promise you this. The creator of the universe that you are following owns it all. And he is hungry for you to just acknowledge that. To acknowledge that it's not your understanding that's going to get you wiggled out of this big bad problem. It's going to be you're acknowledging him going to make your path straight. This verse seriously freed me. I was a manipulative salesperson. So I would say, I, I'll never forget this one. I think we've got time. Yeah, we got time. I'm going till 12, 12 or so. <laughs> Do I have 10 minutes? Okay, all right. So there is a launch complex. So we're in the rocket business. We, we clean, we do high purity cleaning of components, systems, uh, process plants and such that support rockets and weapons and lasers and medical, biotech, pharmaceutical, all sorts of really fun things. So there's this rocket launch complex that we were, that we were bidding and we desperately needed it. We needed to win this job and we had never lost a million dollar job. It was a fairly large job at the time in the early 90s. We'd never lost a million dollar job in the last 20 years because we were the biggest in the business and none of our competitors can handle that. So I was counting on this one, it was gonna save us. It was 1991. We're about going out of business. We needed this one. And long story short, guess what happened? Lost it. Guess where we go? Knees. <laughs> Lord, we need you, this is your company. We, we're gonna desperately rely on you. And out of the blue, the Lord puts us into a place that is big. And rescues us, had nothing to do with anything that the PE major with a little bit of, okay, a lot of bit of ADD could have ever figured out. The Lord directs the path, it's so cool. We should never fear not having enough because the creator of the universe has it all. You just have to ask him and trust him for it. And then you have to be content. If you don't have it, you do not need it. I sat in front of about 100 CEOs from around the globe. It was an international CEO group that came to our office and, and I spoke on the same subject and I said that to the CEOs and a couple of them just dropped into sobbing because they'd spent so much time trying to make something happen and never really realized or acknowledged the fact that, you know what, God can make whatever he chooses happen and we need to be okay with it, whatever it is. Okay, the next one. This is where, the, this is where I learned the rope. The rope analogy was super powerful to me because I'd been a Christian for 20 years and sometime in the 90s, uh, middle 90s, I, I heard this guy speak and use this analogy of the rope, how we say we believe, it's easy to believe. I believe in the Bible, I believe in Jesus, I believe the rope will hold me. But when we lean back on these, these promises, these, and this one's a promise, when we lean back on the promise, there's, there's terror. And so, I think it was actually early 2000. 
I'd never been, I, my faith hadn't got to the point where I could, where I could trust the Lord in, in my money. Because I had three kids, they're in private school, blah, 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 I'm living in the most expensive city in the world. Hundred reasons why I could not tithe. If it was a 1% year, is a big victory. In this year, after hearing that analogy, I decided, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to start to do this. And I'm going to do it in the same way. I'm going to acknowledge God owns it all. And I'm going to write checks that, I, that I'm terrified to write. And we, I started to do that, and I came up with this silly little game that was terrifying. And the game was this. When someone says, hey, man, could you possibly support me as a missionary uh, or whatever? Or, hey, uh, church campaign, you know, it's going to be this, and we're going to do these different things. Whatever number came into my, my mind, my game was I was going to double it. And so it became, this, it became this, like, that will move me outside of my comfort zone. I was convinced that if I thought of $100, that was something well within my means, and I could do it without much effort. So I started to play this game. I started to test, test me in this. I thought it was wrong at first, but I, I, this guy had called me and said, hey, it was Homeward, and they said, hey, we're building this new studio, and you're a big tech guy, and we know there's very few people that will really understand and want to give to a new studio. So would you do this? And so I went, yes, we, we could do this. And then I thought of a number, and it was, it was a, the biggest number I'd ever given in my life. And that my wife and I had ever done. And then I doubled that number, and I was terrified. So I went down, had him in the check, and he goes, dude, this is crazy. It's amazing. You so much, so blessed by this. How can we pray for you? And I go, are you kidding me, man? Pray for me. Pray for the money, okay? <laughs> That's going to be the start. I was terrified, and I, and I told him about this journey. I said, you know, at the end of the day, I, I feel like I'm kind of breaking some rules here because I'm trusting God in this. Okay, so this is such a powerful verse. And again, at the end of the day, I'm ready to go. I have that much peace about my life. And it has nothing to do with much, how much I give. It has everything to do with these so-called five verses. Like, really, I'm trying to live the way Jesus told me to live. And let the rest fall where it may. And that's exactly what's happening here. And so, a couple years ago, so I've been doing this. This has been more fun than I could possibly tell you. Uh, frightening, but after a while, 17 or 18 years ago, I am absolutely positive there's no outgiving this year because I could, I could tell you the story of how a, a dollar was given and I'm sitting at my executive table having lunch and the CFO goes, oh yeah, remember that uh, Brad Jett that uh, we wrote off three years ago for whatever amount of money? I go, what do you mean by that? We got the check today. Oh really, how much was the check? Oh really, the same amount as we gave yesterday. How'd that happen? And I share that story and everybody just drops their head. But what a great testimony for the Lord's faithfulness. It gets better. Last year, two years ago or three years ago, my bank at the took me to lunch, as, as they always do, took our son to lunch, and we sat down, and actually, it was probably a little further out, probably 21 miles out, you remember, the economy was just crazy, and, and the bank couldn't find anybody that was healthy, I mean, very few companies were healthy, and we walked into Asset Pass, and he goes, I have to go over there, what's going on, and I go, well, 
still totally applying the biblical philosophical what the conclusion and later I was I was going back over this verse and I'd always got stuck with test me in this says the Lord Almighty says don't don't withhold the full tithe test me in this however he said that I'm so out back I've I've experienced that every day floodgates of blessing in every service not always financial but but in every service and but then I went back and I read this Tests from devouring your crops and vines in your fee- in the field in your field will not drop their fruit before the crop comes into view. In other words, the stuff I've got happening for you is going to ripen and produce. And then the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. The bank, that banker could just describe to you that example. He is prospering. He is in a land of delight. When I read this, sobbing, again the Lord delivers his promise. Not because I'm the biggest giver in the world, but simply because I trust him. So, holy cow, so cool. It's fun to read the rest of Malachi. As a little extra credit, go check out Malachi 3 and look at it because it's awesome. Um, Okay, last one. We're on the home stretch. This one comes really late. In fact, Robert Koza, um, one of my dear, dear brothers and favorite people in this room, we were talking about our corporate finances. And Robert hit me a couple years ago. We have some really cool guys um, on our campus. But Robert said, you know, I need you to simplify this. And I think the golden rule, treat others as you want to be treated. If you want to be treated as you want others to treat you, might be all you need as it pertains to this value proposition of what God has for you. And at first I was like, you know, dude, I mean it in a few ways. I'd be like killing my puppy. I love our values. It's like a big cultural thing. But as I got, actually did this little exercise with myself, and it, and it began to really resonate with me. And the exercise was, I wrote down 100 affirmations of how I wanted to be treated and how I wanted to be it sounds, it sounds hard, but it actually took me about 15 minutes. And, and those types of affirmations are like, I mean, they, they range from the real obvious, like, I will be a host of heaven because I want to dwell with you. I will not steal because I know that's something you steal from me. All the way to the ridiculous, it means I'm committed. I will not honk at you when you stuff extra sugar and custard in because I don't like you honking at me. And I won't dock you for desertion because I don't like when people do that to me. I won't tell my wife to do that. I want people to do that to me. So I started to look at, I mean, this is the second commandment, you know. It was love the Lord your God and then treat others, love your neighbor as yourself. So I thought, again, kind of like one of those two first things. Like, hey, this seems like it's important. And so every day now I'm I'm, I'm, I'm working on my list and rehearsing my list. How can I treat you? Tough situation, you know, whatever. Yesterday, Davis and I did a little shop study, and I'm like, how would he want, how would I want to be treated? I don't care. I'm not going to deserve this. So I just called him and said, hey, are you kidding me? Because I don't want to be treated that way. I want to treat you the way I want to be treated. Here's the interesting thing about all that. God puts in your heart how you want to be treated in every situation. Test that. 
every situation you're in, you know exactly how you would like to respond. I don't know how that happens, but you know. So the, the challenge here is to, is to be effective in how we show up. Listen to that voice and then surrender. Okay, so make your own list of 100. Wouldn't that be crazy how you want to be treated? Because once you write that down, it's like when you're up at that signal and it's that weird signal for the third iteration of the signal at the signal, you're like, in the Dominican Republic last week, and that, that culture loves to hustle. You can't pass someone without hustle. So I'm like, give me bang, bang, bang. You know, it's like culture of church. I was free. I was free to, to do that. All right, so here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. I'm going to see Jesus through you, and so are you. You're going to meet him face to face. And the question is, clear here. Is Jesus, are these terrifying to you a little bit? Do these terrify or these not? We're going out here and we're thinking, how much is that going to be? Or is it going to be hard Monday morning not to want to just make it happen at all costs and at anybody's expense? Or are you going to end that day with, all right, good. I did it the way he told me to do it. He's smiling at me and I smiled at a lot of people that day. So at the end of my life, you can be sure because now this is no longer a, a silly little PE major test. This is the way I have lived my entire career and my entire life. I am ready to go. Happy. I've achieved ten times more in this regard than I ever could have hoped. I have left a wake in my path that makes Jesus smile. And that's how I'm gonna that's how I'm gonna end my and the rest of all the stuff, whatever ends up being in the account, who cares? I'm going to be giving it to the kids and the wife. And, you know, that's fine. But that's not ever what will define us and should define us uh, in God's perspective. All right. So I love the idea of redefining success. You know, we started with this idea of wild success, like, man, this is going to be terrifying. Uh, this is going to be crazy, irrational, and nuts. In a way, defining success this way and taking the chains off of its chains feels like that. On the other hand, this is what I love about it. Unbridled, uncontrolled, unselfish success. So I hope we have the story. That's my story. In fact, let's go there. I'm, I love how you guys do that. It's so powerful. I love how we do it at Mount Hope. We put out our hands and we, and we, and we pour ourselves out in this incredible service to Jesus. And I'm doing the same thing right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my hands at knees and I'm going to say this prayer. Lord, I just pray that we would have the courage to trust you in what you say. You make it crystal clear in your word. And it is yay and it is hard. And help us never to forget this analogy of leaning back on our familiarity and just trusting you and just saying, Lord, you just are so transcendent. I've watched you work. You're just so anxious and proactive and to prove yourself and to affirm this, these guys to be your followers. And so, Lord, go before them, bless them, give them courage, and, uh, and 
put it up for Ken. Thank you, Ken. All right. Guys, thank you so much for coming this morning. Uh, it is such a blessing to look out for you. To go ahead and fill that out. Print as clear as possible, especially on your phone. We'll get somebody to come email you. Uh, if you do sign up, uh, we're going to have some technical things we can go ahead and fix. And a couple different times in August, we're going to be launching a new calendar for you early February. So we'll give you all the details at the end. But just take a moment and put that in there. You can leave those in the offering uh, basket or bowl on your table. Somebody can come and throw that away. Um, and then something else I wanted to share. Next month, we don't have a breakfast. If you were at the uh, breakfast, the first one we did in the fall, October, I shared some stuff out on the Instagram stories. And one of the things I feel like God has been calling us to do this year is not just gather with one another, but to spend time with one another. I feel like the Lord's been calling us to Matthew. And so we're going to be in Matthew here in Minnesota um, in February. We're working on what that means, but we're going to do some church talks just want to show up here. We want to live this out and be present with one another in our community. Um, and stay tuned for that. We're going to be in Alton preaching sometime in Sevilla, Granado, Monterey, and so on as well. Um, and we won't be gathering with one another in those places. So just looking for ways for that to come up. It's going to be great. So let me pray and then we'll get to our topic. God, thank you for an incredible morning today. Uh, the amazing men who shared their hearts Thanks again. We'll see you next time.